daydreaming about dragons. I've got a tweet by Rob Donahue, who is one of the co-founders of Evil Hat, and I'm not going to read you all the tweets. I'm going to read you one tweet, uh, and then we'll kind of riff off of there. And I'll put a link to the tweet in the show notes. There's a long thread. He has a lot to say about this, and Rob has Rob Smart, and he says interesting things. But I, I'm just going to riff off of it and go in a whole other direction. And uh, it's not a matter of arguing with him. It's just a matter of being inspired. So. The tweet is, the mere presence of lore, L-O-R-E, in a setting does not make it interesting to anyone but the person who wrote it. And I think that's an interesting... It's an interesting sentence, and I see that a lot. I I spend a lot of time on subreddits, DM Academy, uh, behind the screen, etc., where folks, you know, talk about, oh, you know, there's a lot of kvetching about players. And, And one of the... One of the common fetches is that, you know, my players don't care about the, the history of the world and, and et cetera, et cetera. And it always sounds like a, a bad history teacher, right, Who's like, who says something like, oh, well, kids today don't care about history. Uh, and it's not necessarily uh, – and what – what I want to reply is how are you making that history living? How are you making it relevant to those students' lives? And it's the same thing with players and lore. And, and let, let's talk about what – I'm going to define what I think lore is and, and then we can go from there. To me, lore is like the background in the world, right? It could be history. It could be a bunch of different things. And – Well, it's usually history. Let's just call it history. History, background, things that are behind the world uh, that are kind of making it go. But if if the players don't care about it, is it really making the world go, right? So I'm going to give you an example of some lore from a game I was playing with Jonaghi this past weekend and and how I made it relevant. Um, And I wasn't working at it. I was just like, okay, well, if this is true, then... XYZ, right? I just continued the thread line. I didn't just drop lore and then forget about it. Here's what, what was going on. Jonaki's character is a, is a tiefling. We're playing D&D. And she is in the tiefling capital uh, of the tiefling 13 duchies, right? It's called Asmodeen. It is a city built to honor uh, the, the, the devil god Asmodeus. And it's pretty garish. And they, the, the tieflings and the dragonborn just got done with, just, just, just signed a treaty after having a, a 10-year-long war. Okay, so I say that. The tieflings and the dragonborn just got done with a 10-year-long war. Boom. Okay. That doesn't matter to you. It just doesn't matter, right? But here's how I made it matter to her character. And I wasn't like saying, oh, I'm going to make it matter. What I was saying, what I was doing was, well, if this is true, then what else would be true, right? If, if there's just been a 10-year-long war, then there'd be a lot of veterans around. There'd be a lot of people who've been wounded. There'd be a lot of people who've been burned by dragon fire. There'd be a lot of people who had been, who had been hurt by ice breath, There'd be a lot of people with missing limbs because that's what war does. (laughs) And so I described that, you know, I described a lot of veterans and I said, you know, there's, there's, it looks like people who've taken a lot of wounds 
and you know uh, a lot of folks struggling with with you know post-war poverty so there's that that was one way I did it kind of added to the background of the city and it was because she had left before the war started her character had left the city over 10 years ago and was now returning home that was a cool way for me to say hey this is something that's different about the city now right there weren't this many people uh, you know asking for money and, and offering to be your guide and all that stuff and now there are a lot of former vets who, who, don't have, who clearly have not been cared for and don't have anywhere to go Okay, so that's one way I made it relevant. Uh, the war was between the Tiefling and the Dragonborn, so it was kind of devils versus dragons. She had a kobold friend, so a lot of people were giving that kobold friend dirty looks. Boom, there we go. I also just jotted down during a moment where she was writing stuff down for her character and picking her spells. I wrote down the three fronts for the war, right? So there's a jungle front. There was uh, Dante's Peaks, which was also called the Mountain Front. And there were the there were the, the dragon cities. Um, why did I do that? I did that because if I if if she I wanted to do if if you see a couple of different folks who have been at war who meet, they're going to talk about where they've been. Hey, which front did you serve on? Oh, the five cities. I heard that was bad. I heard that was rough. You know, a lot of. A lot of blue dragons out there. A lot of lightning. And that's the way I made... I didn't make the... I didn't do this because I wanted the lore to be, re, you know, to, to sink in. I was like, oh, she can't ignore my lore. No, I did this because if that lore is real, then these other things should also be true. Um, and a lot of NPCs, you know, were somehow linked to that war. You know, they were former soldiers. So if, if the players don't care about the lore is, the lore, is the lore relevant in the world anymore? Because when I see a lot of people talk about lore, and I see a lot of people like thinking about their campaigns, I, I see them going way back to the beginning of time. Right? And that's, that's always my, like... Uh, <laughs> That's my archetypical kind of not-so-great lore in history, is in the beginning of time, there was a great darkness, you know, and, and it was vanquished, but is coming back. Does anyone remember? Like, and, and no one remembers. Oh, no one remembers. And now a great cult is rising. Oh, okay. Like, if, if it's... That, that, that thing of it's, it's not relevant... I don't know what to do with that. As a GM, I don't know what to do with that. I mean, I, I don't have a lived experience. I guess we could compare it to, like, uh, you know, the environmental collapse and how people just are saying, oh, it's not happening. It's just a natural cycle. Oh, well, the darkness is just part of the natural cycle. Okay, I could see that. Maybe. But if, if you want your lore to matter, then maybe make it more recent and build back slowly. You don't have to go to the beginning of time. You know, you don't have to start with God created light. And on the, you know, on the first day, on the seventh day, you rest it. Uh, if you want to get 
Old Testament about it. You, you, you don't have to go that far. You can, what's been happening in these last 10 years? And, and that will give you more details. And the other really important way to make lore relevant is to, is to make it part of the campaign, right? I, I took pieces of lore from Blades in the Dark that I knew weren't necessarily relevant to the modern day, and I, I, I made them relevant by making them part of the, of the case, of, you know, of the investigative cases for uh, the game I ran with, with Josh and Lauren. So, and that was entirely inspired by True Detective, right? In True Detective, a lot of the evil that was done by monstrous people was able to be done and able to be, they were able to get away with it because of the floods in Louisiana. All right, so suddenly the floods of Louisiana are a piece of lore, right? And it's relevant because it destroys, it destroys evidence, it destroys records, people are harder to track down, people go missing, did they go missing because they went missing or did they go missing because of the, the, the flood or did they go missing because, you know, an, an, an evil serial killer got them? Who wants to, you know, f- open a gate to Carcosa? Is, you know, so I, that was my inspiration. It's like, oh, well, you know, history makes the cases. Chinatown had a very similar thing. Uh, if you, I don't, I haven't watched that as recently, but when you have a case like that, history affects it. So, like, here's an example of the Blades in the Dark case that, that I had. I had one case where the, you know, Duskfall existed before the lightning fence went on. So I was like, okay, so who, what, what, how did that happen? How did they not get overrun by ghosts? So I was like, oh, there must have been wards. There were these like magical wards that like did their best to keep the ghosts at bay. And who strengthened the wards? Well, there were these wizards, literally wizards back in the day, in the pre-modern era, you know, before everybody had a pistol. Uh, there were these wizards and, and they got disenfranchised because the wards went down when the lightning fence went up. Suddenly those wards were not necessary. Suddenly no one needs a wizard to deal with these really persnickety wards that sometimes go up and sometimes go down and sometimes work and sometimes don't. And the, the wizards got replaced by the lightning fence and the engineers who dealt with it and also by the, uh, you know, by the, oh, I could not remember the name, the spirit wardens. And so it was, it was the, the, the villain they were dealing with was a ghost of one of these wizards. So suddenly the history and the lore is important because they want to know what this person, who this person is, and because they want to need to know what their motivation is so they can catch them. Right? So if you want to make lore interesting, make it alive. Make it affecting the world today in a way that is tangible, in a way that that is meaningful to the character, in a way that is interesting to learn, right? 
because the, the the whole wizard thing like that's kind of been done already with the lamp blacks right i was kind of like showing oh history repeats itself it's just like the lamp blacks but on a much larger scale so yeah when i think about lore and it not mattering I wonder how deep the lore is. How important is it to the GM? How much have they thought it through? How much have you thought about how that lore affects the current world? Because you can say, you can just drop some weird lore like, I don't know, dragons really like tea. Right? That's kind of a weird piece of lore. It's a detail about the world. And maybe it doesn't matter until the players get caught uh, by a dragon in this lair. And one of the players says, hey, remember when I bought that really rare tea back in that, you know, city we were in? I put my hands up and say, hey, I've got this tea. Let's let me put up a pot. We can discuss what to do next. Come on, I hear it's really good. Uh-oh. What's that worth? Might be interesting. You know, we talked about having tea with the lich. Uh, now we can have tea with the dragon. But if... if um, the lore is important if it can have an effect. And that's another thing that I wonder is... Because we don't... When we see these threads on Reddit and we hear these things from folks online, we don't know the full story. Right? We don't know what, what's happened when the players have interacted with that lore. And did the GM, you know, did the GM penalize them for trying to get one over? Instead of thinking, you know, and, and even phrasing it that way. Oh, you're going to try to, like, offer the dragon tea? Well, you did say dragons love tea. Yeah, but... No, roll initiative. It, the dragon's not falling. No. Then, well, then we're going to, now we're going to ignore your lore. Congratulations. Now we are ignoring your lore. We don't care anymore. Why? Because we just tried to do something on your lore, and you told us it didn't matter. So you, you just told us that the lore didn't matter by making it not matter. Do you see? If, if we're going to, if we want people to pay attention to these weird little details that we drop, then when they do pay attention and they use it, I'm not saying it has to work. I'm not saying it just should just work automatically or, or it just should, you know, but maybe it gives an advantage to a roll or gives some bonus dice or whatever the system allows. Or maybe it just like stops everything for a second. And you can have this really tense tea and there's a fight right, you know, right in the middle of it which is still a cool moment and still something happened because we some, something about the situation changed because we were dealing with the lore but what you don't want to do is just penalize people for paying attention so that is the other I think piece of this is what do you do as the GM when someone takes out a piece of lore and tries to use it in a way that's clever, you think, oh, they're trying to get one over on me. 
Or do you think, oh, that's so cool that they remembered that detail and they're using it? That is so amazing. I mean, a classic example for me is I, I at one point, <laughs> uh, I was running a, a, a burning wheel game set in the Forgotten Realms with my buddies Pete and Aaron, and they had found in some old ruined tower uh, a, a demon in a summoning circle, and they just left it there and got the heck out of there. And then, you know, months later in game time, they were about to fight this dragon. And they went and made a deal with that demon. They were like, we'll let you go, but you have to fight this dragon. You're the only person we know who might be able to defeat it. And I was like, damn. Damn, that's cool. Now, I could have said, oh, well, the demon's not there anymore. It got let free. But I just think it's way more interesting. that They, they used a piece of the world that was out there. Right? And that's not quite the same as lore, but it's still really interesting when people take something that happened in the game and they, they repurpose it. I love that. It's the best. Players are paying attention and, and using things in, in outside-the-box ways. That's great. And now I've got a player who's cut a deal with a demon. Uh-oh. That's trouble. That's a great trouble. So that is the other piece of lore, I think. When people use it, have it mean something. All right. And that's what I'm thinking about lore. And I think there's a lot of other angles to this. So I think we could also talk about what makes good lore and what makes bad lore. I think we already started to kind of get there. Because I love lore. I love dropping little tidbits. I don't care if it's a... a in a pre-made setting or a published setting or, or not. Like, there's just, there's too much to, there's too much, there are too many details that you need in a world to write it all, right? So if you're, even if you're playing in a published setting or a module or whatever, you're still going to have to make stuff up. There's still going to be little lore bits that you're going to have to just come up with. And... Yeah, make it worthwhile. Make it, make it relevant. And then think, think it through a little bit. Daydream, if you will, about what the consequences of that lore is. And, and how it would work. So, lore, lore, lore. I love it. I mean, I think it's, I think it's fun stuff. Clearly, I wrote a whole dictionary of Moo. Just about, you know, it's pretty much just snippets of lore. And it's snippets of lore that might or might not be true. Uh, so I love this stuff. And I think thinking about what makes good lore, and, and, and I think that's something we might get back to. That's something we definitely might get back to. Um, maybe, we'll, maybe Inspiration Goat will bring us something that will have to do with lore uh, at some point. But, yeah, this is something I want to talk about a little bit more. I think it's interesting, and I think I think there's a lot to be had there. Um, the background of the world, making it real, making it relevant, that's a huge part of what this thing of ours is. All right. Inspiration Goat, what do you got for us this week? <coughs> Willow. Kind of a classic 
uh, fantasy movie. It it's gonna apparently there's going to be like a sequel TV show, and it was a lot of fun. I, I rewatched it, and then went and 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 said to Johnny, you know, Johnny said she never seen it, so we sat down and watched it, and I was like, you know, this isn't half bad. Uh, and it's not half bad. A lot of times you go, you watch movies you saw in your, when you were a child, and you were just like, oh, no. Um, but this one is like a, a fun, swashbuckling fantasy movie that I, I, still, I still enjoy. And I think there's one character who stands out, and one scene that stands out, and I think it has a relevant uh, something relevant to teach us at the gaming table. Okay, so there's this evil queen, Bafmorda, who is straight up fairy tale evil queen, nearly biblical evil queen. Like I, I don't even not they're not I don't think there are a lot of evil sorceress queens in the in the Bible, but there is something biblical about she, she, the way she's like looking for a child who who has a certain. It's just it, it's interesting. Uh, but that, that's not the one I'm talking about. I'm trying to set up this ridiculous situation that happens, and I'm starting probably way too soon. Evil Queen Babmorda has a daughter named Sorsha, and Sorsha's a badass. She's clearly able to take care of herself. She wants to please her mom. She's got a trouble, troubled... <laughs> she needs some therapy. I mean, everyone in the movie needs therapy, but Sorsha definitely definitely needs therapy uh and and you know she's got a troubled really troubled uh relationship with her witch queen with her witch queen mother uh she clearly didn't get much magic she's she's more of a sword gal she's awesome so there's a scene where the swashbuckling hero gets hit with this love potion and the first thing he sees is sorsha and he starts spouting poetry and tells her he loves her and it's this ridiculous scene, and it ends up with them being together uh, at the end of the movie. I don't think that relationship had a lot of legs, but who the hell knows? Uh, <laughs> we, we can debate that. If you think Sorsha and Mad Martigan were like, are still together today, let me know. Because I think, man, I think, I, I, don't, I don't know if that one lasted. I, 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 I'm open to being told I'm not romantic enough. That, that's fine. Um, <laughs> what does this have to do with gaming? Let's get to it. I think the interesting thing about this thing that happens is it's very unexpected. And it's very out of character. And yet, it leads to the characters, I think, it leads to us kind of digging into the characters in a deeper way that I think is, is interesting. And I'm not saying something really deep and meaningful was going on in that scene uh, or in this movie. I think it's a really fun, swashbuckling romp. But I think what we can learn from it is every once in a while, when the game forces us to do something that we didn't think the character would do, that can be an interesting moment where we've learned, where the, where, where, where the character comes you know, surprises you and, and, and comes out of nowhere and we learn something about them even though we're in their shoes. I think that can happen with us. I think that can happen just living life as a person, role-playing as a person, right? Oh, I'm trying to be this adult, right? That can feel like role-playing sometimes. And every once in a while, 
something happens and we're just, whoa, I don't know where that came from. I surprised myself there. And I think that's, what, that's a bit what happened because of magic with Mad Marnigan. And I think very often what, what will, it's not, it, not necessarily magic, it might be magic mechanics that lead to magic, or it could be dice mechanics, or it could be some kind of some kind of mechanic that allows that, that makes the character go out of our control for a second and, and, and pivot and turn in an interesting way. Um, and sometimes it's worthwhile to not just veto that and, and go a weird way and and let that happen and learn something new about the character and, and see what it means. You know, see how, how you can be totally recontextualized. You know, Mad Mardigan was kind of this ridiculous, you know, womanizing, you know, swashbuckling fool. And then he's progressing his, you know, professing his love to the most dangerous woman on, on the screen. And I think it's it. I think it was a really interesting switch um, and I think there's something there to be taken and, and to be learned about our characters and, and very often people hold them very tight and I'm just saying release the grip a little bit don't put you know if you can feel the tension in your hands release that a little bit and see see what you could learn See what you can learn about the character and see what the character has to tell you, uh, which is, I think, another way to think of it is playing as this kind of conversation and the character kind of comes out of their shell. I mean, I, I find when I make a character, I don't, you know, I know who they are, but I don't know everything about them until I've been put to the fire, until that character has been kind of put to the grind. And then you kind of learn things because you didn't know how that character was going to react to a vampire lord getting in their face. And it's a fun thing to learn. That's why we're, it's one of the reasons why we're doing this. So that is what I'm thinking about as I, as I smile at, at Willow and, and having rewatched it, and I'm excited about the idea of a sequel and, and seeing what's going on in that world. And you know, how a little bit of magic, a little bit of hard pivots, a little bit of change and, and ridiculousness can lead to something maybe a little bit more profound. And that's where I'm at this morning. And this is not to be mixed up with something that just makes you feel gross, right? Uh, I'm not saying like, oh, if something just makes you feel disgusting and is, you know, your character is being forced to an act an atrocity or an act of violence or uh you know fall in love with someone who you know I, I can see how this can be taken the wrong way so there are times where you as a person are just grossed out and if you're grossed out i'm not, I'm not saying don't trust that trust that but if you're just like oh my character wouldn't do that eh, maybe take a moment you know don't hold on to their identity too tightly let them happen. Let them change. Let them be dynamic. Uh, but, but also don't let anyone use that character to, to make you feel uncomfortable or shitty or ugh. 
there's a lot of gross things that can happen. Uh, and we can get into a whole episode on how Charm Person is, is kind of bad game design. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's messy. And I'm not saying, you know, I'm not trying to say, hey, every gross thing that happens you should absolutely be cool with. That is not it. You know, throw the X card right in someone's face if you need to. So, all right. Let's outro. Thank you so much for listening to Daydreaming About Dragons. There are a number of ways to support the show. And I'm going to talk about two. And all the rest are in the show notes. So if you're really interested in supporting the show, check out the show notes. But if you're, if you are also you know, somewhat interested, here are two things you can do real fast right now. Uh, you can send me an email, judd.karlman at gmail.com, and let me know what you thought. Let me know what inspired your gaming about Willow. Let me know what you thought about hard pivots. Let me know how you make lore meaningful in your game. I'd love to hear about it. So... You can drop me an email. You can also tweet at me, at InspirationGoat, all one word, InspirationGoat. Give me a tweet. Let me know what you think about any of that stuff. Willow, Lore, the Dust of Broken Hearts, Mad Martigan, all of it. Uh, Bath Morda. Let me know what you think, and, and you know, just give me a tweet, and, and I'll definitely get back to you. And... and Hopefully, we'll, it'll, it'll get on a reply show. And then the third thing you can do is you can go to iTunes and, and give, me a, uh, give me that five-star review. Let people know what they're getting into when they hit play on a Daydreaming About Dragons episode. And let people know that, that it's a, you know, a fun 20 minutes. So if you're into any of those things, please do them. If not, no worries. I know things are busy. I hope your summer is going well. I hope if you are in an overheated part of the world right now, you're staying cool and being safe and staying hydrated. Got a lot of friends in the Pacific Northwest, and um, I'm hearing about what they're going through. And I just want you all to know I'm thinking of you, and I'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye-bye.